up for nothing under the soil and the earth Breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall Till the buds begin to pop Pack me in a bowl or roll me in a spliff Or you're breaking me down, you can feel your skin Hello, this is Ryan Heron from Portland, Oregon And this is Amanda Breeze in Toronto And we're here to talk about all the fun stuff around one of our favorite plants, cannabis. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to be getting into some news, launching some projects, and uh, just kind of shooting the shit about weed in general. Let's shoot shoot some shit. Shoot some shit, please, yes. Um, Let's see here. What what am I smoking on right now? Um, Some peanut butter breath uh from uh i don't have the farm's name directly in front of me uh but it's i'm a big fan uh amanda and i were kind of saying i'm getting over a cold if i sound a little nasally right now my uh sense of smell is at like turned down to like five percent right now so i'm trying to crack open these beautiful purple nugs and get a good whiff of that crazy funk and it's just like nothing it's cardboard the darkest of days for scent nerds is the smell head cold vibes. Uh, it's it's like when I um, had COVID and lost my sense of smell and I was like, what if it's gone for forever? <laughs> it really freaked me out. It really did. I can't even imagine. I, I would just, we had a lot of people come into the shop um, trying to reignite their smell using essential oils. And I actually thought that was a really crafty idea, like getting like really high menthol, like Japanese peppermints and like eucalyptus to try to like rekindle their scent and memory connectors and, and get them back going. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I guess there's like some sequence of drugs you can take that uh, works in almost all the individuals to like bring your scent back online. Uh, though some people, hey, they have like permanent damage and can no longer smell anymore, and that is a true fear of mine. Well, don't don't go to the dark place, Ryan. Your smell will come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep smoking and smelling eucalyptus and whatever other terps I have lying around, and uh, yeah, it's coming back. I promise you. Yeah, I feel like jazzy ones are best and like, yeah, eucalyptus, you know, any of the pinene family, because it's going to open, it's a bronchiodilator, it's going to just really open up the nasal passages and the lungs, so I would go with thyme is another really good one for the lungs, like a red thyme um, is really healthful for breathing, so. How about just a a, uh, bubblegum? flavoring oil that I have this is what I have directly in front of me here I get a little something but yeah no it's it's no time it's no bronchiodilator you know what if you're still feeling a little under the weather next week I'm like in the chapter of my herbalism course that I'm taking that's all about the respiratory system so today I have no suggestions but next week I'll give you a whole list of herbs you can take to really clean out the airways I love it. I'm always giving you homework. So yes, heal me from afar, please. I will get all the herbs. You know, I'm always giving myself homework. Like, why did I decide to add an online course to my list of things to do? I don't know. But I, you know, I'm a month away from being a certified herbalist after two and a half years. So everyone has some like really fun episodes about like adaptogens and immunomodulators to look forward to in the spring, I'm sure. Yes. Hey, spring's perfect time to talk about herbs, right? Yes. uh, Botany, of course. 
Yeah. Uh, so we batched a bunch of episodes when we first started recording this to be like, okay, is this going to work? Uh, it's working. Yay. Uh, <laughs> so no longer will you turn on an episode in December and hear us be like, oh, the dog days of summer are here. Uh, we're pretty much caught up to the release schedule. So maybe we'll try and get a couple in the can just in case one of us is like, you know, lost their sense of smell and can't record one week. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the it most part, go never comes back. You just never know. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go and record myself smelling like, I don't know, 150 things. So if I lose my sense of smell, I still have all those recordings, you know? That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But you, you're right. We are all caught up in our episodes. So we can now say things like, wow, that chocolate episode last week was amazing. And that was so fun. It was fun. Um, my um, chocolate buddies all gave me shit on the quality of chocolate that we chose. And I'm like, this is supposed to be available to anyone who could just run to the grocery store and not have to spend a ton. Um, but that's all right. Hey, we're we're all snobs one way or the other. And my chocolate snob friends totally came out to be like, hope you enjoy the heavy metals and your commodity chocolates. <laughs> Did you let them know some of it was imported Canadian chocolate, the finest imports of Kit Kats? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it, it was said with love. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Well, we'll have to step up our game. Luckily for us, you know, maybe that was a chocolate comment, but it hasn't been a weed comment. So I appreciate that. And, you know, speaking of peanut butter breath, I had a very interesting convo last week with an awesome craft grow in Ontario. Um, It was one of the cultivators and they're bringing in some nutty flavors this year. And when I heard that, I was like, that was on our predictions. That was one. And, And they were, I was like, what are you guys doing this year? What are you growing? And they were like, named a few of a more nutty aromatic. They're moving away from the sweets and they're moving into these different scent categories and you know they're um outdoor cultivators so they have to plan so far in advance absolutely um, so i was like we called it we called it in the predictions episode we're moving into finally a new era of flavors yes I, and i'm very looking forward to it because these like kind of faint fruity flavors are all really nice but i'm ready for my socks to be knocked off again i want these big electric sour flavors and earthy craziness uh hey by the time my smells back online i'll be ready for all of it yeah you gotta get your smell back online because because scent is really trending right now in the news i've been getting a lot of updates on all of the social media platforms like from tiktok to like random newsletters to instagram like scent is trending super hard and Really specifically, I've been seeing stuff about scent, using scent for wellness. I've been seeing stuff about using scent, like for things like um, sleep, um, well-being, um, like uh, what's the one, like seasonal affective disorder. Oh, yeah, I have that one. Um, Yeah, PTSD. And the PTSD one is interesting because I always makes me think of the book, The Knows Knows, when my man, Avery Gilbert, is talking about, yeah. <laughs> is talking about um, how uh, like alcohol became a triggering aromatic for people who uh, collected bodies or went on the battlefield after a battle in World War One and World War Two. 
Um, so anyway, it just brings to mind like creating distress using aromatics, but then also calming distress using aromatics. And so I get really excited when I see this stuff pop up, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's great. And also, I mean, especially in like topicals and uh, even in something that it, like uh, scent has a lot of impact, like shampoo, right? We, we all use it. Like most of the commercial stuff has got some kind of scent. Uh, I remember when I uh, started at the dorms in college, they were giving everybody fructis, uh, the green bottle oh, uh, yeah. shampoo and conditioner, right? Oh, yeah. And I had never used this stuff before. It wasn't, you know, I, I moved out of my parents' house. It wasn't what my mom bought, you know? And I thought, oh, damn, this smells like college. This smells like freedom. And the next time I went to the store, you know, I bought some fruit teas for myself. Damn. So, I hey, uh, companies, <laughs> uh, projects, people, anyone focusing more on scents, more on these like uh, effective, evocative scents. Hey, that's, that's great. That's good for everybody, especially us. Yeah, I'm absolutely stoked to see all of these awesome scent projects emerging. And I saw um, a really cool TikTok yesterday. Um, I am an avid TikToker. I can't tell if that sounded young or old because you're. it had a real bent of like, well, I came across a TikToker the other day. But on the other hand, like, you know, you're getting your news straight from the teat. So I appreciate it. You know what? I was trying to get my parents in on the TikTok, too. I told my dad, I'm like, anything that's happening in the world, just look it up on TikTok. You'll find a live stream. Um, you know, literally anything you want. You want to see a video of it as it happens. Go on TikTok. It's going to be right there. Or you can wait till six o'clock for the news. I don't know. Right. Um, but it was a video um, of a new brand that put out the smell of um, when you pick up a rock from the river and you whiff it. Um, and the whole video was about how you don't know how long it's been stewing in the mud and the river juices to get that amazing aroma. And then the it was stitched with a video of a person being like, this person makes this perfume that smells exactly like that. And I'm not easily persuaded to buy things off the internet, but I did screenshot it and I have a feeling and it will be added to my collection. Um, so we have that to look forward to. <laughs> yes, please. I mean, I live um, a two-minute walk from a river. I could just walk down there and flip some rocks. But I would really hope that somebody could contain that and like present it in a way that maybe you could wear. And people are like, damn, are you out in like the freshest river available? Yes. And not to mention this chat GPT open source AI thing. They, um, uh, which brand was it? The Art of, the Olfaction? Institute of Art and Olifaction. Yes. Yes. They put prompts in to initiate it creating sense and it fucking did. And it pumped out an entire scent recipe for their exact prompt. And I looked at the recipe, like the formula, and I was like, okay, some of the ingredients were like, <laughs> it's like 20% ambergris. So I'm like, that is not, <laughs> that's not happening. But um, if I imagined the formula in my scent mind, you know, my mind's nose, if you will, mm -hmm. um, I was, I could see that actually creating the scent that they were looking for. So, I really need to just um, 
get a little insomnia and just start trying to find some new uh, formulas off of this chat GPT, because that to me, I know it's crazy, but that's really crazy. I love it. And, you know, why not? Somebody should step up. It could be us and do a line of AI created sense. Well, you heard it here first, folks, because. <laughs> Put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself because that one's ours. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. We just need some prompts. So if anyone has any suggestions, count us in. We'll make it. Ha- we'll make them. We'll, we'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I took the recipes my friends have been sending me that have been generated by ChatGPT as any kind of indicator, um, sure, it'll pump out a recipe for rock candy glazed uh, blue crab. And it sounds like, hey, that's what a recipe sounds like. But when you imagine eating this sugar coated crab, it's a little bit like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of like a sweet savory. Like I really like those stoner snacks that are like, oh, I want something savory and I want something sweet. I'm going to put some Nutella in my mac and cheese, you know, like a creamy chocolatey blend or. You got me. You were almost there. And then uh, you you lost me. Uh, On the farm a lot, make cookie and pizza pancakes and stuff like that, you know. I love that when when you're just as stoned as possible, there's no wrong answer to the foods you can combine, right? They're probably just blowing weed right into the internet machine and it's just pumping out these wild stoner ideas, right? Yeah. You know, I in the last few years, I have seen the entire gamut of uh, cannabis pop-up dinners. And I, I think it's really cool because I've worked with like, chefs that will go and forage like eight of the nine courses that mm. they're going to serve that night uh, and then incorporate cannabis into it. And it's, it's really neat and unique. And then I've also seen pop-ups. These were in like popular in Southeastern States where Delta eight was quasi legal oh. and they would have like the stoner pop-up where it's like chicken tenders and fries with a Delta eight spiked barbecue sauce that you can dip in. Okay. Okay. And, right. And so you're, you're spending an extra, I don't know, $5 for some sort of like spiked aioli to dip your French fries in. And that's where your full effect is going to come from. And so, I guess these things were all yeah. really successful pop-ups. Um, even if people were a little let down by them. This is, and these are the types of products that have been coming out on the market here too. Like a couple weeks ago, I saw like an infused maple syrup launch. I did see an infused hot sauce launch. They had three different flavors. Um, so we're, I, we're getting those little baby steps towards exciting new product launches, but I would, I really want, I want to get weirder with it. You know, I don't have a few million to launch these products, but these brands should really just I don't know. Take a chance on something real weird. <laughs> I think that there is space in the market now to explore unique offerings. And I remember when we were going med to rec here, and I've talked about this in the past, and we were judging a cannabis competition, and somebody submitted for their edible a plate of pot roast. And it was like, the gravy is Medicaid and there's mashed potatoes and pot roast. And like, here you go. Uh, They did not win. Oh my God. (laughs) 
And this is not something you're about to go line up and uh, get at the dispensary either. But I mean, I think you can have more fun than 20 different kinds of the same watermelon edible or something, you know, gummy. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Okay. So coming up in, in Ontario uh, is this huge expo and everyone is talking about it. Even my American friends are talking about it. Everyone is talking about can expo it is yes, like in everyone's march. radar it's at the end of march um there's a few exciting things about it one is the person who is putting on this show is like really well known in the expo community um Catherine riley she's just like a badass woman who's been doing like sickening expos since like <laughs> i want to say the 80s but this is a little bit of a guess okay but she's been doing it you know her entire career this is her thing so it's really exciting because you know she knows how to do an expo. So she has, and she has like a proven track record. And now she's like, I'm doing a cannabis expo. It's going to be huge. And so, so many different brands, so many different people are all coming in to do this expo. And um, one of the things that they're doing is this like um, cooking show. They're going to be doing like a competition on the stage. So it's like, so you think you can cook with cannabis is what they're calling it. <laughs> Yeah, and they're probably going to be doing live cooking and not just from like some brand hired someone. It's literally like normal people making roast beefs and their grandma's, you know, brownie recipes or whatever. And they're going to be doing it all live on stage and then live testing and tasting. So like the more I've been hearing about this expo, the more hyped I'm getting because of all the crazy stuff that they're planning on the stages and at the event overall, like, I don't know, there's a reason it's being hyped. There's a lot of cool stuff that's set up and the, so you think you can cook live cooking show. I'm a Gordon Ramsay stan. Like I love Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> that's like my dirty little secret. I've watched everything he does. So I'm looking forward to it. You just get up on the stage and yell at people for like not using salt properly or whatever. I honestly, I wouldn't even know. I'm a terrible cook, but I do love a good cooking show. So um, it's- I do like an expo where there's more stuff to do than just go to the booths and interact with people. Especially yeah. if you have to work at the expo, like I've done plenty of times, you need that like break from the floor. Uh, Hall of Flowers did it best where there was like a huge, generous football size uh, smoking area with a bunch of like low couches and cushions yes. and lamps and stuff. Uh, but really just anything, even just like a booth that might have like kombucha on tap and they built a little bar that you can sit at. You're like, hey, I feel like I went somewhere. That's great. Oh my gosh, that sounds so nice. Yeah, we're gonna have to get our find the kombucha booth um at the expo yeah and then they're so they're doing this yeah the stage is gonna be lit there's gonna be like so many fun activities happening they're doing um a whole award ceremony for just like normal people like cannabis best content online best independent podcasts you know it's like there's gonna be all these big brands who got booths but then they're also just like here are the normal people in cannabis too these are the podcasts these are the educators these are the influencers like and just have it opened up to like the average canister, the average enthusiast um, to enjoy and mingle. So I'm like, I'm actually getting hyped about it. It is so rare for me to get hyped about these boring expos, 
But this one, I think, is going to be the one to top future forward. Nice. Very nice. And yeah, anything that's kind of like got a, a fresh approach on the industry is worth checking out. Absolutely. So that's cool. All right. So some cannabis news this week. Um, I Oregon was in the news. Oregon was in the news. You guys were featured in uh, the Broccoli Report. I, I love the Broccoli Report. I you know what? I love your Lauren's style of writing, um, her approach to products and news is just, I'm addicted. Yeah. And I believe she is based in Oregon. So she's the person to get your news from, or she has been in the past. Yeah. And then, you know, their whole aesthetic side of things is just also really awesome. Like the aesthetic, the news, the one hitters. So this, this week's newsletter sent me down a internet rabbit hole. Um, because, uh, I guess Oregon right now is one of the cheapest states to buy weed. I mean, yeah, I could tell you that just from the crazy signs that are literal, like $4 eight. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I drive by dispensers every day. All right. Oregon is a, is in a u- unique position because they didn't really limit licenses until maybe last year or the year before when they had more licenses than they could ever even process. Tons of people on the market, both in the dispensary space and especially in the cultivation space. Uh, so in a lot of ways, um, people who didn't have a lot of education how the market worked, got into it started putting product out and realized that their product didn't necessarily compete with legacy Oregon growers and people who have kind of been doing this for longer or have a more dialed in approach. And so desperate desperation comes in and pounds start dropping in price. Uh, Now I think that it's probably not crazy to say you could get a pound for $300 of outdoor grown weed just because people are just trying to like recoup some of the costs they had from this last season. Uh, So it's not necessarily favorable to the growers. The $4 eights are not necessarily that exciting or anything you want to get into. Um, But all of that has driven the price of everything down. Uh, So I did not read the article, but I am living these cheap weed prices. Uh, So what else do they touch on? Um, so kind of like that, they were saying that, um, less than $5 a gram for retail cannabis, which for any of our listeners, this is for me in Ontario, the wildest part is that there is no sales tax in Oregon, right? So if it says $4, it's literally $4, right? Well, with cannabis is a little bit different. Okay. Okay. There are, there's 20% tax on recreation weed. So I am a medical caregiver. Okay. Yeah, I'm a medical caregiver so that I have somebody I can provide for. That's my med card. It goes in and I don't have to pay those taxes. Um, Yeah, so anyway, that's that $5 becomes six relatively easily. And also every dispensary has promotions like on Friday, 10% off or come in early and 20% off or whatever. Okay, interesting. So there was that and it was basically kind of like what you were saying, like this oversupply of cannabis in the market has led to like this downfall of the price of the market going down and basically like across the board everyone's losing revenue retails are losing retailers are losing their revenue um then 
there was like a little nod to also like Colorado, um, which this year, 2022 was Colorado's worst cannabis sales year ever. Mm. Um, so they're actually like losing money. Um, and it's reminded me a lot of Ontario cannabis because in 2020, we had our best sales ever because of the pandemic and the lockdown. So people right. really thought the trajectory was going to keep going up. And that's when, <clears throat> oh, my voice is so scratched today. And that's when they opened up like the number of retailers allowed because we had this like lottery system. So originally there was only like, I don't know, like 15 retailers in all of Toronto. Um, now there's like 200. Um, so like there's more competition happening. Um, so yeah, everyone's just like, oh no, we're seeing the numbers go down. That might've been, it's quite possible that 2020 might be everyone's best year ever. Like we'll never, it's possible. We'll never see those numbers again, anywhere that has legalized, but you never know because like, there's going to be other states that legalize, other countries that legalize. So if anything, we might see a trend where these established businesses just go uh, legalization hopping and try to get into other markets to get their best year, which will probably be like the second year, um, max out their profits and then just jump to the, the next country, you know, and that'll, that'll be fun in Europe, you know, we'll do yeah. Germany, we'll do Thailand, you know, all these companies will just hop around as things are legalizing because they've established their brand, their business in the States and in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and good, efficient SOPs can really set these guys up for success when other people are coming in, still trying to figure things out. And they're like, no, we've done this five times. We know how to do it. We know how to do it with a small crew and uh, they're just knocking it out. Um, I will say I, I just did a big news roundup and uh, let's see here, Connecticut legal weed just hit the, the streets. People were really excited about that. New York wrapped around the block lines, you know, so we're seeing that um, some Midwestern state, I, its name escapes me right now. Um, just, uh, no, no, I, I believe it was Maine. Maine oh. just had its best quarter ever, like a hundred million dollars in the quarter. $400 million industry for one state is pretty impressive. If you ask me. So it's tiny. So yeah. 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 Right. Um, and so I think we're still seeing growth in some areas that will even out as more states legalize, but people are really excited. And I think the glut and the oversupply is really part of that excitement. People realize people having a really good year in 2020 and saying, I can borrow this much and build this much. So I might as well maybe bit off more than they could chew and we're all paying for it or celebrating that with the cheap prices right now. Um, I think the constant I'm seeing is the really top tier product hasn't necessarily affected the price level. And for consumers like me, I'm still spending, I don't know, probably between 13 and $17 a gram if I'm buying just a gram somewhere. Um, that hasn't really changed either. So the top tier end of the market has had some fluctuation, especially in, uh, let's say, concentrate prices, rosin particularly. Uh, but other than that, like my uh, budget hasn't really changed much, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I did see a bit of a trend, you know, last year where <clears throat> brands that, 
uh, producers that came on the market with this super high price point, you know, they're like, oh, $45 for an eighth or whatever, um, did drop their prices. Like it is that barrier is the difference between someone trying your product and someone not trying your product, but alternately someone trying your product, it not being amazing, it not being a $45 product. And then by default, having to drop the prices because it really didn't, the expectations didn't match the price point. So that's going to be a funny game to watch. And I mean, it's also interesting to consider that like this $30 eighth thing is from the illicit market. It was like, I mean, there's something really beautiful about that, that across the States and all across Canada, like anywhere I've ever been, people are like, oh yeah, $10 a gram. You get a hot deal if you get 3.5, you know, like there's just this like standard pricing that applied across the board. Um, it just commonly understood that this is the price of things. And I did love that, but it's not illicit anymore. So it checks out that the prices would be dropping because the risk has gone from something to nothing essentially. Yes. Well, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping things can kind of balance out a little bit where we find a, a happy area. Farmers are getting paid. Staff is getting paid. Um, dispensaries are able to pay their bills and we're still holding around that same price because it should be able to hold up at scale. Yeah. Plus, this was the only time farmers were actually making money, like really, really thinking about it, like agriculture is not known to be a generous industry for the actual workers. So it'll be interesting to see. And speaking of cultivation, Missouri was one of the ones that I was reading about because they have the most generous um limit of carrying so here i think it's an ounce missouri basically was like you can have up to three ounces on you which is just short of a qp that's actually quite a bit of weed um but they're charging for home cultivation licenses <laughs> which lauren wow. compared to having to get a permit to grow a tomato which i thought was really cute and quite on point because and missouri is saying a hundred dollars for a home cultivation license to grow your own wheat. So what is there a plant number or a canopy size that you have to be within? Can I get a hundred dollar thing and then put 20 plants in my backyard in a hoop house? Yeah, I don't know. It's supposed to roll out in February. So I guess we'll see like what all the details end up being as they're like negotiating what the laws are going to be. But like, you know, if it's like here, here it's four plants. So I was trying to imagine having to pay $100 to grow four plants on my balcony or in my backyard. And on top of that, you're a new grower in, in theory. Let's just assume you've followed the laws all these years. You've never grown a weed in your life. So you're going to be investing in really good soil, really good nutrients. You're going to find purchase your seeds through legal avenues, you know, so this becomes a, quite an investment for what is essentially a, a hobby, you know, a handful of plants. I, I wouldn't call like, not to say it's a hobby, but like I grow tomatoes sometimes too. It's I'll eat them, but I'm not like making a year's worth of tomatoes in my backyard. So it is a, like a hobby-esque uh, type thing. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But I lived in Missouri for quite a while. I spent two, almost three months living in Columbia, Missouri, and the very rural part of 
Columbia and Missouri is a really cool place. You know, it's actually a pretty sure, you know, we called it the state of misery. And I think it gets a little bit of, <laughs> of a bad rap uh, for being a little rural. Um, but uh, you know what? It kind of was like to me, you know, when you think of Texas and you think of, you know, racists and <laughs> yeah. a lot of cops, you know, don't smoke weed in Texas. But then you think of like, Houston and there's like some pockets where you're like I mean Oregon's kind of like that too it's some places are a little uh -uh, but then you got your Portland's you got your coastal town so anyway Missouri has its pockets of fun and we happen to find it has a really robust vibrant community so I'm actually just like really hope this works out for them because I really like that state as a whole and I want this to go well for them. Hey, me too. And uh, I, I just wonder, $100 doesn't seem like it's enough that it would cover any kind of reg, uh, like regulation. Like, I don't see them driving out to knock on every door of people who bought a license. Uh, that might give them a place to go, oh, hey, let's look at all of these houses and fields on satellite. And, oh, hey, this one might need a flyover because that's five greenhouses or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if how they're going to go about it. $100 doesn't cover a lot of that. So it might just be like an easy cash grab to say, hey, if you want to grow tomatoes or weed or whatever in your backyard, like kick us some dough. Uh, I hate it. I really hate I it. Know, it feels like so dystopian to need to pay to grow something. And that's kind of been the argument for psychedelics and um, cannabis all these years is it's, it's a plant, it's a mushroom. Like it's insane that we're, creating imaginary laws on these things that just grow around us so yes yes well especially now that they're even less draconian and, and it's legal and if i wanted to put a big weed bumper sticker on my car you know still not advised but not the worst thing i could do uh you you just any kind of thing that is attempting to regulate it in a way that it doesn't need to be just feels gross um uh, metric tags are something so many states have to deal with these shitty plastic RFID tags that cost, I think over 40 cents a piece that you have to put on every plant. Now, now you can do more batching of them, but that's, that's just a, like a recent regular regulatory update. Uh, it's just so wasteful. It, it it's, uh, one of the things that really frustrates me about the, uh, about the industry. Uh, and, and something that's tough now is, uh, so now we're doing more heavy metal and microbial tests in Oregon, which is great. I want to know that the weed I am smoking is safe. Uh, but this comes with a considerable upcharge to testing. It's going to be about $700 per batch, uh, which really limits the amount of like one-off interesting. We just did five plants in the corner of the room. Let's see what we get off of it. Uh, because that significantly eats into the profits unless you're doing a mono crop and you've got you know 20 rows of the same ice cream cake then you can send that in for one test uh, but I, I guess like now that things are feeling a little overregulated, I'm feeling the pinch in the way that it's affecting what farmers are putting out there I and you know what I was right there when they started using metric in California and it was such a challenge 
Um, and really hard to watch my friends trying to grow and follow these insane regulations and keep track and then purchasing those fucking rolls because I had never seen them before. I saw, I was like, what is this? And they were like, you're holding like a $10,000 roll of freaking tags. And it was just, it looks like you know, drink tickets, right? It was just like this thing. And you just have to click it on in every, every plant in the garden at the time needed the tags. If you cut off a branch, it needed a tag. If you cut it down a plant and we're drying it, it needed a tag. The bags needed tags, like everything was tagged. And so they had all these tags and then you had this whole online system. And it was like, so poorly designed for farmers, like, and really- it still is, which is yeah. so frustrating. Like they, they, they've somehow lobbied their way into, I, I don't know, 12, 15, almost all of the fully legal states use metric. Um, and uh, it's just such a drain on the system and uh, environment and everything else. So um, yeah, if you are one of the people listening to this that's also using metric, I feel for you. It's never been fun. Such a bummer. Such a bummer. Um, I so you had some Oregon, did you say Oregon legalized psychedelics? Oregon's legal mushrooms, legal uh psilocybin uh therapy, uh went into effect on January 1st. So now if you want, you can go and go to a clinic and take a dose of psilocybin under the care of a therapist a doctor and they will sit there and and help you talk out your feelings and you can watch your fingers thing you know they call them fingers but you never see them thing yeah oh there they go uh so you could just do that to your heart's content here um i know people who are in the space who uh have set up clinics and I have not personally gone to seek one out and see how much they cost and what the expectations are. Um, I know anecdotally a psychedelic, which I mean like pretty high dose psilocybin trip, uh, tends to last four to six hours. So I'm, I guess you probably have this room for, for like a whole day to just go in there and kick back on a couch and, and talk to somebody. I, I don't know how long the ther- therapy session is or the cost is, but I imagine if you're somewhere for four to eight hours, um, it's not going to be cheap. Hmm. See, I think I would prefer like an outdoor playpen. Like I'm perfectly safe to do psychedelics on my own, but say I wanted the full Oregon psychedelic therapy, I would love just like a a nice fenced in area outside near some trees or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would really need to be outside. I know that um, investors have purchased a uh, campground in Southern oh Oregon yeah, of for course. The explicit purposes of doing these psychedelic retreats. Uh, and I haven't heard any updates. I don't know if on January 1st, they turned all the glittery lights on and started letting people come in, but I will have to do some more, research in all the ways and report back well hey if you want the free version you could just go to a rainbow gathering yeah yeah exactly i could just walk out to my corner and start and hold up a mushroom sign the mushroom shop that opened up um about a month or two ago now uh here on burnside in portland was selling uh microdose capsules they were selling um higher dose chocolate bars and maybe a couple of other products 
went totally viral. New stations were there with cameras. People lined up around the block and then the feds came and shut it down. So yeah. they were not observing any of the laws about having like uh, therapies or specific licenses, whatever. They were just slanging. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the proprietors, the owners um, are, I don't know, had 40 felonies levied against them. Maybe we already talked about this, but oh uh, major, major damage. And they weren't even from Oregon. So the whole thing was a little weird all around. Um, but let's see, we're we're far off from having uh, mushroom dispensaries. I'll say that. We also had a shop open up here and it was shut down in days. Like within days, the whole thing was shut down. Tons of charges laid. Same thing. Um, last month, a illegal shop was selling chocolate bars as well. They got shut down. Um, they're, they're really... They've really changed trajectory quite quickly into shutting down the mushroom market around these parts. So, wah wah. Boo. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I will just say, like going on to Instagram and trying to find some of these more popular accounts, like uh, Polkadot, which seems to be like a semi-legitimate uh, mushroom concentrate company that does things like cookies and cream bars and cutesy things like that, um, are so plagued with. Um, knockoff accounts that it was like confusing all around. So uh, not only is it difficult to get your hands on a product, but scammers are out there like trying so hard to just like ride the coattails of anyone who is, you know, having some popularity in the space. Completely nutty. Um, why don't we take a quick break? Cause I don't know if you can hear my phone will not stop pigging. I'm going to turn the ringer off for the last little bit of this show. And we have a really excellent thing that we're going to be launching as soon as we come back. Was a nice little break. I see that you uh, rolled uh, rolled one up. What do you have there? I rolled a spliff. I just you know why not, right? Just the middle yeah. of the show. Let's get let's get a little weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, not it's not helping my extra scratchy voice today for sure. But I don't think it'll make it worse. So no, no. Hey, this is good. Good audio. Good audio. You sound good. Nice. Um, well, and I'm glad it's a loose show because I'm also saying, hey, let's let's talk about this exciting project we've had going on in the background for uh, for a while now. Oh my gosh, I know. We've been hinting at it. We've been throwing little tidbits here and there, but we have kept it hush hush this whole time. Yes. Um, so we are doing um, a series of projects all based around scent and mostly based around cannabis. And so we've put this together. It's going to be called uh, the Scentelligence Project. And you can go right now to scentelligenceproject.com and check out our first um, project slash product slash offering. So over the next few months, we're going to be putting out a bunch of different scent projects. Our first one, I'm really really so excited about because Ryan and I sat down on coast to coast. So we're doing this all online because we live in two different countries, two different cities. 
And we got together all of the scents that we had and did a little scent exploration. And we've invented a new strain, kind of like a cannabis strain. We've bred a scent from a mix of cannabis terpenes and essential oils. Um, So our first project is an incense that you can actually burn that is called um dosi crossed it is dosi crossed with root beer og yes and if you are familiar with dosi dough um if you're familiar with like the root beer scent of cannabis but really just root beer in general um this just is like a striking it just hits that that note exactly Uh, just lighting a stick of this instantly makes your house smell like weedy root beer, sarsaparilla, cookie dough, dank. It's a lot of, like, I had a lot of fun creating it. And then, um, like, shipping samples back and forth and getting our nose into it. Uh, it's been a really cool project. Yes. And we did, we made it all from scratch. So we literally infused the incense using terpenes. So it's really dynamic. I think it takes all of our unique skill sets around combining sense, understanding terpenes, and then crafting an end product that actually smells amazing. So I, I feel like it has this like purpley, fruity punch of the dosi, and then it has the OG. It was a mix of like platinum and classic OG. So like a little skunky kind of dirt undertone, and then this like sparkly root beer aromatic. And so it's just like it's we've we've bred the perfect scent strain is really what it is yes yes and it's it's kind of evocative of that walking into a coffee shop in amsterdam that like plethora of cannabis smells and i'm not gonna lie there is like a whole root beer float thing going on on top of it so not only do you get just the crazy like bouquet of weed smells orchestra of weed smells that was what i was looking for that was what my hand gesture was uh but there is that sparkly root beer creamy anise note on top of it um i think we've probably over described it at this point but you can get it in very limited supply um on the site there and burn a stick and kind of like be amazed Yes. So it is available online. That is the most exciting part of our first Sentelligence project. And um, dreams do come true because it is just the dreamiest mix you will ever come across. (laughs) Um, Although do not light a stick of incense and then fall asleep. Okay. It's irresponsible. We're we're not responsible for any uh, damage done to your uh, curtains if you uh, wave this thing around and get a little too wild with it. Yeah, and I guess I should say that that I am a professional incense maker. I do make a lot of incense. So I can say that um, what's really great about the sticks that we infused is that they're all made with 100% ethical charcoal. And this is something that is actually shockingly hard to find. Charcoal is a horrific industry. Mostly the workers are women and children. It's horrible working conditions. It's super toxic because they're crafting, they're burning to make this charcoal in these huge like charcoal fields. It's the, it's a scary, scary industry that is really kind of random and not talked about, right? Like where does charcoal come from? You never really think about it. So all of these sticks are ethically sourced from a company. It's like a cooperative. And so 
these are 100% slavery free, ethical charcoal sticks. And then on top of that, we've sourced really amazing terpenes and um, some essential oils to really bring the whole blend together that were also um, sourced ethically. So this is just like a really solid all around thought out, thoughtful project. And I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, we're having fun with it by doing names, labels, websites for all of these different projects. So even if you're not about to buy and burn a bunch of incense, you can follow along and uh, keep an eye on the, uh, the stuff we're putting together. Our next project is not flammable. So that'll be interesting as well. And if there's any scent strains that you want invented, we're here for it. We want to hear about it. We want to know what smells you want to see combined to create the most epic scent strains and crosses that you won't find on the market um, because they don't exist. They're completely from our imaginations. Yeah. And if you've seen cannabis candles before, or you've had a lollipop that tasted like weed, but it didn't have weed in it, uh, then you've seen, okay, these things are cool products that are out there and there is somewhat a, a need for them. And if you need an expert that has their nose in a jar of weed all day and knows how to recreate those scents in a product or project, then give us a shout. You know, if you want your next haunted house to uh, smell like a weed farm, like give us, give us a call. We will set you up with a haunted house spray that smells like a weed farm. Exactly. And both Ryan and I love aromacology, which is the study of synthetic as well as natural sense. Aromatherapy is natural sense. And so um, part of our projects is also the emotional, like we were talking about earlier, sense for well-being. But hey, we can also make sense for unwell-being if that's a vibe you want to go for, because we can create some scary things, too, that will elicit fear and other lesser desired emotions. Um, I've never smelt weed that scared me, but maybe it's high time we invented some uh, more frightening scent strains. Oh, wow, yes. I have not even uh, thought about a weed strain that when you smelled it, you were like, oh, clutching my pearls. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe the wrong guy ended up back at your apartment. And uh, once you heard his political beliefs, you thought, I'm going to light this candle and maybe, maybe get him out of here sooner rather than later. Yeah, you found out he likes Andrew Tate. You found out that they're... Uh, <laughs> They listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. You know, we want none of that around here. So, so we got the smells for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. Uh, the next few projects are already underway. So lots more stuff to come. Uh, definitely stay tuned to, to those kinds of things. And like Amanda said, if you want to see any of these projects or products um, th that you've imagined, hit us up. Like we're actually making this stuff. So uh, this could be your chance to have and a doormat this, that smells like weed every time you step your feet onto it. This is the thing. And it's been really interesting to do it across the border because we had to, you know, really dig into our, you know, we're, we both have very robust scent libraries. So that was actually surprisingly easy um, to negotiate between <laughs> yeah. um, like smelling things over zoom, right? That's kind of crazy, but um, smell nerds, we got it. Yeah, it was a little bit like, guess who? Like, do you have this OG? I do. Okay. 
so we use botanical terpenes in this creation, right? All of these, uh, the terpenes in the incense are native to the cannabis plant, but we are shipping this across borders. We're trying to make this available to the most people and we're trying to keep costs relatively low. None of this was cheap. I'll say that much. Uh, and so we're using a botanically derived cannabis formulation and, and then something that we like hand mixed to fit the exact profile that we wanted. Uh, so I, I think like now is a decent time to talk just briefly about the difference between botanical terpenes and what that means and uh, cannabis derived terpenes or as they're typically referred to in the industry, CDT uh, and what that even means. Uh, so because I just spoke, I'm going to kick that off to Amanda to just get us started. Well, you know, I think the biggest, for me, I've, I've smelled a lot of aromatics. And so I really enjoy botanical terpenes. I don't think there's anything wrong with having terpenes derived from different botanical sources. And the biggest effect it has with the end product is really the price point. Because producing, um, you know, getting your hands on limonene from any citrus is going to be super, super affordable compared to growing a field of hemp or cannabis flowers and extracting the limonene from the flowers. Like we know there's a much higher cost associated with producing cannabis than something that's already mass produced and available. So like price point is really the, I think the biggest differentiator um, between the two, but yeah. there is, trend right now where a lot of terpene companies have made the switch you know people who are producing cannabis um you know with the intention of using it in cannabis products are starting to make that shift into using the cannabis derived terpenes yeah uh, now that we've got the technology that can pull off really pleasing terpene fractions uh then those can get used in products uh, we're still kind of, it's a balancing act, uh, between cost and, um, getting the flavor right and technology. So we're kind of in this space now where, um, a botanical recreation of a profile might be better balanced than something that was pulled off through some like high terpene extract situation, um, uh, and, and, and vice versa. Um, Amanda and I, um, I know that we played with some sense for this project, um, kind of, let's say older terpene profiles that, uh, companies have put together that we're just not impressed with at all. And it was like, okay, well, this is immediately out the door because it doesn't have any of that oomph, that good cannabis smell that some of the like later recreations definitely do have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a huge factor. And also like, you know, older, products not to say that they were old or out expired anyway but there wasn't as much variety that i was finding between let's say different ogs you know like all the ogs are going to smell different so not being able to really like see a big difference between different strains to me is kind of problematic because there is a big difference between all of those strains and there should be a pronounced aromatic differentiation between a fire OG or a blue fire OG and like a platinum, you know, like they're very different end products. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason these individual cultivars have the attention on them is because, hey, this stands out in the garden. 
in a sea of other ice cream cake flavors, hey, this one actually has like a cool thing going on. Uh, and so I would hope that these profiles reflect that. And I would say the good news is the later um, created projects that we had, almost everything we had had a really nice, pleasing smell to it. And it was just about selecting what was going to work well in the project. Uh, so if you are um, a vape company in um, a state where production is still uh, rather low, let's say Florida, um, then it really might be advantageous for you to go and get some of these botanical profiles and find out what works well for you. And if you're doing something like a candle or a soap or any of the things that Amanda and I are creating, uh, it really becomes cost prohibitive to try and find some cannabis derived terpene uh, that has the sense that we need and that you could actually pour into a candle that isn't going to make the candle $300, literally. Yes. And another thing to consider when crafting products using cannabis terpenes, botanical terpenes, essential oils, or fragrance is that you require different volumes of things to establish a particular smell. So like um, we get a, a lot of candle makers in the shop and, you know, we sell essential oils. And the thing is you often need to use more essential oils to recreate something that maybe a fragrance could do with a fraction of the volume of liquid or the volume of scent because a fragrance is an artificially constructed aromatic so that's where you get sometimes people say oh i'm looking for musk you know so like musk is often just a fragrance aromatic um, or like vanilla, people have this idea of what vanilla smells like, but when you smell, uh, vanilla, you know, essential oil or resin, it's going to be, it has a more like bitter, um, sometimes more alcoholy type of smell compared to like a vanilla scented candle that you can get at the dollar store because they're using fragrance. So then there's this whole other formulation side of things and trying to negotiate how much of what you need. But at the end of the day, the closer to nature that this product came from, the better the effects are going to be in terms of like the energetics of it, um, how long the fragrance lingers, its effects on your lungs and also smelling it um, and having it in the air around you, like moving away from fragrance is kind of a big deal. And I was thinking about this a lot, I mean, artificial fragrance, um, mm -hmm. in terms of this, uh, you know, these articles coming out about fragrance and smell being a trend right now, because we've had in the past, like, few years, um, this scent-free workplace thing, this whole, like, um, don't wear perfume, people don't want to smell it. And I think that came from all of these artificial aromatics having very serious health effects on certain people. And so a lot of workplaces have banned fragrance, for example. And so the fragrance industry took a pretty big hit because of it. And now this new movement towards a natural fragrance and the most natural fragrance we can find is really what's driving smell forward again and these sensory experiences involving scent it is it is and we're seeing regulations kind of follow that up and so people are seeing uh, a bigger turn towards natural fragrances and flavors and so a lot of flavor houses are taking some of their more popular synthetics um, or artificials and converting those to all natural uh, because really the technology is there now to build whatever profile you want um, given 
all the little bits and pieces we can pull from mangoes and rosemary and thyme that all, and, and synthetics, that all of these things are possible. They just need to be recreated on this sort of natural framework, whatever that means. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, your laundry soap will never change its scent, though now it will be made less with artificials and more things from like cottonwood or something. Yes. And in the same way, we're seeing it in flavor. So like these water soluble terpenes that you can add to flavor things is really, really an exciting direction to see products move into. Because as someone who works a lot with essential oils, you could literally die from consuming essential oils. They are extremely toxic when eaten. Smell them all day. Amazing benefits for smell. But the actual tasting of them and consuming, you know, we compare peppermint essential oil, one drop is like drinking a thousand cups of peppermint tea. Like some essential oils can be prescribed holistically well, and someone trained to do that could offer putting one drop in water or whatever. There's certain scenarios where you may consume an essential oil, but they are few, very, very few. And so um, it's really important to see ways that we can start to incorporate these things into our food products. So water soluble terpenes to me are like really, really exciting as a scent person who wants more of that. Yeah. And just real quick, if you don't know what that means, water soluble terpenes will mix into water instead of just floating on top because they are oils. So if you've ever mixed oil and water and you see the oil just kind of floating on top, um, that's sort of separate, not super desirable in like a cocktail or whatever, but when it's uh, homogenized and you can drink it like a spirit, basically, uh, then that flavor is impactful in there and we treat it like taste and aroma and everything else. Uh, I know that we're short on time. There's one quick thing I want to get to about botanical and cannabis derived terpenes. And that is oftentimes, especially right now, we're seeing hemp plants have their terpenes extracted and then sold as cannabis derived terpenes. Uh, I, I don't think that's very fair. I think it's kind of a misnomer and that people are being like kind of mismarketed to. Uh, but if you know what you're getting and you live in Michigan and you really want to have terpenes from California, uh, sent to your state, uh, cannabis terpenes are no go, no way. Are you getting those across state lines legally? Uh, hemp terpenes, there are some allowances for. So, um, especially if it's kind of steam distilled, uh, that might be a good option for you, but just be careful if you're buying something marked CDT that you know where it came from because it was an actual plant that was extracted. You should be able to call somebody and say, well, hey, tell me where this came from. What strain was it exactly? How big was the lot? Um, there, Those are important questions to ask. Absolutely. And that's the difference of the luxury products versus the average products. Because, you know, like last week, that was one of the most interesting points when we talked about the chocolate was does it name a farm? Did it come from a specific place? And I think that applies exactly so perfectly to most agricultural products. Like that's why Bulgarian lavender is the epitome of luxury. And the price point meets that because it comes from a specific place and you can get as far as like where the region it was grown and, and the growers even. So as this industry progresses in the scent industry, cannabis scent industry, moves forward, these are all going to be really important things to know when you're purchasing terpenes or as we're crafting products, like we want to make sure we're using these luxury products because that's where the good good is. 
Yes, yes. Um, can't wait for you to finish your herbalist training and yes. share that all with us. Uh, go ahead and check out stentelligenceproject.com. Yes. Find me on Instagram at the loud 100. Amanda, where can yes. we find you? I am at emerald.temple.living and I have an exciting announcement this week. Um, I've moved into the world of Twitch streamers. Uh, (laughs) It's very exciting as a millennial moving into a whole new platform. I feel like I just committed to like a long-term relationship here because I've set up the whole thing. I'm ready to go. Um, And I am going to be live streaming my next workshop, which is massage oil for cannabis lovers. Um, and we're going to be doing a stimulating and sensual scent blend for that body oil. We're going to be infusing it. So you'll be able to live stream my entire workshop. Alternately, if you live in Toronto, you can attend in person. Um, and so my Twitch handle is weedy hands. Um, and there's no content yet. It's coming. Um, and we may or may not start streaming these podcasts so you guys can see what we do in between these little breaks yes and uh if there's a little smoke in the background of amanda's twitch stream just know that that's likely likely a, a dosi cross root beer og stick burning in the background and not cannabis which i don't believe is is it allowed on the platform i've been hearing mixed reviews on that i do not have a definitive answer it seems like it's leaning towards no but sometimes yes so we're always going to push the limits but let's just see how this new platform goes love it um all right everyone we'll be here next week tune in and uh give us those five stars and tell friends bye (laughs) we'll see you all next week thanks everyone (laughs) send a matter work in a pain and anguish let me bring you Oh, smoke it up, hold it down, and don't ever stop. Well, you can always find your smoking spot. Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot.